great to see everyone this morning. You look like you've had an extra hour of sleep. So that's good. We're going to continue our sermon series. If you don't know who I am, I wasn't up here yet. My name is Josh, lead pastor here at Bethel. And it is always a joy when we get to open up God's word together. And we've started a series on what we call the five statements that define our faith. This is the celebration of 500th year of the Reformations. For some of you, it was Halloween. For, for you pagans out there, for the other saints, it was a Reformation Day. And we only get one shot at this, guys. 500 years later, none of us are going to be here. So we're going to celebrate well uh, today. This is our final sermon series on the five statements that define our faith of the church, really looking at itself and saying, we need to get back to the basics of what God has called us to so with that, we're going to look at God's word because the final um, sermon, sermon in the series is sola scriptura, that it is God alone through Christ alone, by faith alone, for the glory of God alone, and his word alone is what gives us authority. So with that, if you have your Bibles, please join me in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We live in a new world, so if you have your Bibles with you physically or electronically, if you have it memorized, please turn to 2 Timothy 3 as we will look at God's holy word. Uh, as you turn there, I want to ask three questions, and hopefully I will get affirmative for all of these. The first question is this, uh, who wants to have the power of God in their life today? Anyone want to say, that's me? I, I want the power of God in my life. I hope all of us would say that. The second question is this, who wants the Lord to breathe a fresh breath of his Holy Spirit on you today? Anyone? Absolutely. Lord God, breathe on us. And the third is, um, who says today, I want to be complete, lacking nothing? Yeah, okay, some of you are not awake. I, um, because that's the desire of our hearts. And um, there was a survey done recently of 28 scholars in discipleship and a thousand pastors and over 4,000 Christians in North America. Uh, by the way, you can't get a thousand pastors to agree on anything, um, but they tried. And the one question they ask is, what defines in your life spiritual maturity? Because they want to unpack what that looks like. And the overwhelming majority of people said this, that we constantly and daily read some of God's word. The number one contribution to spiritual growth in our lives is constant contact with God's word. Now listen, what was not number one? Church attendance, not number one. Sunday school, not number one. Listening to your favorite Christian radio station, not number one. Giving, Tithing regularly, not number one. Um, knowing the, the newest Bible study out there, not number one. The greatest thing that we can do in our lives for spiritual growth is what? Constant engagement in God's word. So we ask ourselves, why, why would that be so? Well, God tells us why. Look at 2 Timothy chapter three. As we... Ask ourselves, God, define our lives and our faith by your holy, precious word. 314, 2 Timothy is in that towards the end of the New Testament. This is Paul writing to a young man, Timothy, saying, but as for you, 
Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, comma. Let's pause there. So Timothy has known the scriptures, but is that enough? Is that enough? Look at the after the comma. Which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through Christ Jesus. We're gonna come back to that. This is important for us in growing in our faith about Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you wanna be complete today? Look at God's word. Do you want a fresh breath of God's spirit? Look at the words that are breathed out by God. You want the power of God in your life? Look at his holy word. And when we do, we will encounter the heavenly father and our lives will not be the same. Let's pray, Father, we confess that many of us know you, but Lord, there are some here that do not know you personally. Lord, change our hearts. We confess that we can know nothing about who you are apart from your wisdom. Lord, you are unfathomable, so much greater than we can even comprehend. So Lord, we ask you that you give us wisdom for salvation through Jesus Christ and that we would grow in our faith, not lacking anything. Lord, this is our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. I have some thoughts on the Scriptures here and how we apply these out. The first is in verse 14. Um, but as for you, continue in what you have learned or learned, firmly rooted in the Scriptures. And then remember those that have taught you that the word learned is used here twice. It's actually remember what you have learned and remember those who have learned you. So the first thing that we need to understand in our faith in Christ is that we need to love and live out the Word of God. We need to learn to love and live out the word of God. You see, Paul repeats this word twice. Why does he repeat the word learned twice? For people like me that are tough to, to comprehend. So he says this word in Greek, manthano, which means to learn by practice or experience or to acquire a custom or a habit. To learn by custom or experience. But Paul says, learn to love God's word and to live it out. Why is this important for us? Because look at what Paul does not say. He does not tell Timothy, you know what? Go to church and lecture the people. They really need a Bible study. Just lecture them. All right, let them sit there and just listen. No, he uses the word that said, let them learn by habit, by experience, or by custom. So what is God saying to us this morning? The same way that Christians have learned God's word through the ages is not by lecture. It's not in assembly halls like this. God's word is best caught, not taught. Some of you have young ones, you, you understand that. Because they'll come up and they'll say things and you're like, where did you learn that? And then you realize they caught it from you. We're going through some phrases in our home that we don't like. 
And then we realize our, our youngest is two. And she, she knows that we, um, she doesn't say, oh my goodness, or oh my gosh, because that's too close to, oh my God. And we don't want her to, we don't want to, her to think that anyone else is taking the name of the Lord in vain. Well, where does she hear, oh my gosh, from? Yours truly. So we're telling her, don't say that. And then I realized, hmm, she caught it from me. So we tell her, well, you say, oh my goodness. And she'll say it. She's like, we don't say, oh my gosh. We say, oh my goodness. Like, who are you? You're only two. This is not an adult conversation. But what is that a reminder in our lives? That our kids catch things from us. And it's that way with God's word. It is best caught, not taught. So what does that tell us, parents in the room right now? It is not the church's job solely to teach your kids God's word. That's not our job. It's not my job as pastor to impart God's word to my son and daughter. You know whose job it is? Their father. That's a different role. We must catch God's word. We must talk about God's word. We must live it out. Paul says in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned, not by lecture, by experience. Remember your grandmother, Lois and Eunice, your mother. See, remember what you were taught by catching God's word. We must be people who learn to live out God's word. So why do we think we can lecture people into submission? You know what? We'll knock on someone's door and say, if you just listen to this presentation, you will understand God. And then your heart will be gripped and you will, you will confess him as Lord and Savior. Maybe what they need to see us is say, you know what, help me, help me build a house. Let me weed your garden. Let me help you pressure wash. Let me help you with your kids. Let me get on the roof. Let me, let me encourage you. Let's watch a football game in a football crazed world and let's show each other that we can catch God's word as we watch sports for his glory. Because God's word must be lived out in our life. Are you weaving God's word into every day and every minute and everything you do? We must redeem the time. Are, are sports the devil? By no means. But if you're not redeeming that, they could be. Are nights where we dress up and, and meet our neighbors the devil? They can. But we had the chance to share Christ with several of our neighbors as we talked about candy and talked about the goodness of Christ. Are we redeeming the time by God's word? Church, love to live and learn the Holy Scriptures. I say it like this, get in the word until it gets into you. It is not a lecture, it's a lifestyle. It is not a lecture, it is a lifestyle. First, learn to love and live God's word. Habitual custom. Secondly, look at verse 15. You know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which, right, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We must learn to approach God's word differently. So I'll say it like this. How do we um, live a life that's by scripture alone? Approach scripture differently. Look at what God's word is called. You've known from infancy the what? Not the good book. You've known the sacred, holy scriptures. There's something different 
about these words than any other book on your bookshelf. They are powerful. They are living. Goth pros will tell you this, that the difference between the top five professionals and everyone else is the approach, which is the hundred yards to the green. I've never played golf. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's what they tell you. I've never hit one golf ball. But if you want to take me golfing, I'm all yours. But they tell you that the approach gives you a 40% advantage over everyone else. The way you approach scripture will radically change your life. And, and I can see looks on your face will say, okay, well, what is that? How do we approach scripture? First is this. We must approach scripture by engaging God's word to encounter the one true God. Engage the word to encounter God. This is the holy book. What does that mean? It's set apart. So we don't read the Bible as we read other books. I tell our staff on occasion, my goal when I read, and I try to read more than I do, my goal when I read a book is to only gain one good thought from that. If I read a 200-page book and I get one thought, that's a success. Um, my standards are low, I know. Um, but, but I want something that I can apply and live out. Right? If, if I walk away from that book, even, um, even for entertainment, if, if it's not stirred my heart or my mind or my life, then it's useless. But this is not for informative purposes alone. The Holy Scriptures change our lives. They're living, they're active. So we must approach it in a different way. We engage the word of God to see who? To encounter our heavenly father. And when we engage that, when we engage God's words differently, when we approach it differently, it changes the way we read it, doesn't it? Because we're not reading for God, fill my mind. We're reading God's word now to say, Lord, fill my heart. And when you fill up my heart, it changes the way I live. Engage the word of God to encounter the Father. Let me say it another way. If you wanna encounter the heavenly Father, you know what you need to do? Engage his word. We encounter the Father by engaging his word, approach it differently. Secondly, we must approach every scripture as sacred. Every scripture as sacred. Look at verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God. Uh, that's not the best translation. The best translation is every scripture is inspired by God. What scriptures are inspired by God? Every or all. So is there not a word in the Bible that is not inspired? I know that's a lot of negatives. Is there any word that's not inspired? No. So let me get personal now. Why are there parts of the Bible that we ignore if they're all inspired? Yeah. There are parts that are, that are they're easy for us to digest. Um, there's a book that I want to avoid. It's easy to understand, but hard to live. Man, I don't like the book of James, right? It's easy to understand. Guard your mouth. I'm like, Lord, I can't do that. So I turn to Hebrews. I'm like, Lord, let me just, let me try to unpack these theological issues. I don't know what they say. So I can't, Lord, you can't hold me accountable if I don't understand. And God says, go back to James. If you don't bridle your tongue, you're like a ship that is tossed to and fro without the rudder steering it. I'm like, Lord, you know I can't do that. Or give me something I don't understand. And God says, my word is not for your mental cognitive abilities. It is a lifestyle. 
We must live in a way that every scripture is God breathed. See, I think that sometimes the reason that we neglect God's word is because we've lost the entire picture. We've lost the every in the all. And we get bored because we don't see the entire redemptive narrative story of what Christ is doing for us. I want you to know that your church and your pastor is committed to preaching the entire counsel of God's word. That's why we say we are bringing the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. That means from Genesis to Revelation. And you might not realize this, but in the last two years, we've preached through Luke, then Genesis, then Proverbs, then Colossians, then the Christmas Advent story, and then Hosea, and then Exodus, and next week we'll finish 1 John. See what we're doing? We're saying, God, if we go to the beginning, you are faithful and you are true. And Lord, if we go to the end, you are faithful and you are true. And Lord, in the beginning, when you created the heavens and the earth, that word applies to me. When I go to the end and realize that one day he will make all things new, well, that stirs my soul also. Every word is inspired by God and is for you and for me. Literally, the word inspired here in verse 16 is this, theonoustos. It's theo, God, and pneumoi, which is the spirit or breath. So it is God breath. So if you want God to breathe on you, you know what you do? We don't look around and say, God, let me find your breath and I'm gonna jump into it. God's already breathed out for us. Like we, we say, God, you've already breathed this out. Lord, I want to be where you have breathed. How wonderful a thought is it that God has breathed out something for us? Let, let that roll around in your mind and your heart that God has breathed out his words. I'm thinking of the, the old hymn some of you might know, breathe on me. Breathe on me, Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Take thou my heart, cleanse every part. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Um, as a little child, that song bothered me. I'm like, where is the Spirit? This is not good. The Spirit world, you know, growing up at church, I, I, that kind of freaked me out. I mean, my parents are thinking, breathe on me, Holy Spirit, I'm the, where, where is He? Then I realized God's spirit is living in us. And if I want the breath of his spirit, that I can read his word and the spirit inside of me, the same spirit that inspired and breathed out his word, now join and my heart is stirred. We must approach his word differently. Approach it differently. It is sacred. If you want to grow in your faith, change the way you approach if you're a golfer, your approach changes the way you play. If you are a believer in Christ, the way you approach the word will radically change your life, will radically change your life. Learn to live out God's word, verse 15. Approach scripture differently. We also see this about living through scripture alone in verse 15. Paul says, you have known from infancy the holy scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So the third truth we need to realize is that scripture awakens your heart and mind to salvation. Scripture awakens your mind and your heart to salvation. So let me say it in a negative way. 
The goal of God's word is not your knowledge or your wisdom. Counter to that, actually the Bible says that wisdom puffs up in 1 Corinthians 8 about food offered to idols. We know that all have knowledge and knowledge inflates with pride, but love builds up. And if, if you're honest, sometimes church people, we, we tend to get the big heads where we're full of knowledge and it has not penetrated our heart. The goal of scripture is not your wisdom. What is the purpose of scripture? That you will know the holy scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Now, let me just say this for, for the church. If we're honest there are points in our lives as a church, the invisible church, and as a local church, and as a church person, a personal member of God's community, that we need to offer repentance because we have used God's word arrogantly and prideful as a hammer, not as a loving tool for the gospel. Right? We, we've used it because we've, we've had God's word pridefully and it hasn't penetrated our heart. You say, well, pastor, what are you getting at? I'm glad you asked. Um, and if this offends you, I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would lead you to a place where you can repent of this. And if you have questions, please see me afterwards. Leviticus 19, 28 says this. You are not to make gashes on your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. Now, growing up in the, in the environment I grew up in, um, I, that was used to remind me, look, if, do not get a tattoo because that is sinful. Like you will die and go to hell if you get a tattoo. I'm like, I don't wanna do that, so I'm not gonna get a tattoo. I don't have any tattoos. Um, but let me just say this as a word of caution for us using the, the Bible arrogantly and pridefully, sometimes without knowledge in our minds and hearts. We also neglect verse 27, the verse right before 28. So if you, are, if you feel the heat rising right now because you feel like I'm talking to you, I don't know who you are. Um, the Holy Spirit does. But if you, get, if you get incensed when you see a tattoo, you know, I can't believe those pagan people. Verse 27, you are not to cut off the hair of the sides of your head or mar the edge of your beard. If we are intellectually honest and tattoos stir up something in your heart, I got a haircut yesterday. You should be equally outraged that I cut the sides of my hair according to the same passage of scripture, Right? So if, 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 you, if the Holy Spirit really is doing me, you say, tattoos are devil, then please chastise me after church because I got a haircut. And we will dialogue with scripture. And if I am wrong, I will repent and God will deal with me. But may we use the scriptures as a tool for wisdom, not for our minds, but for salvation, for salvation. And if we're honest, we need to repent because we've used the scripture as a dagger and we've only wounded. But the gospel is offensive, church. You don't have to be. But let the gospel offend people. Let the Bible remind people they're sinful and are in need of redemption. You don't have to be the thorn. Let scripture do that. And that, that penetrates me because I've, I've been offensive before and I, shouldn't, I didn't need to. And may we say, God, we repent with brokenness because your word is given to awaken our minds and our hearts. 
God's word does that. The goal is not your wisdom. Wisdom is not salvation. The goal is not your faith. The purpose of scripture is faith in Christ Jesus. And you know what happens if someone puts their faith in Christ and they're tatted up and they have piercings and they've cut the size of their beard and their head this morning by all means? We should rejoice with the angels because the holy word of God has stirred their hearts and their minds. And you know what? They look differently than you. Thank God. Because when we get to heaven, every nation, every tribe, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you know what I like to see that our church is beginning to look differently than one another? Because we're preparing ourselves for eternity. If we were a homogenous group, we're gonna be surprised in heaven. We're not gonna know what to do. This is the power of the gospel. It brings people together. God's word is awakening our hearts and our minds. Uh, Let me say it this way. It's not what you know, it's who you know. It's not what you know. And some of you are saying, well, I can quote every verse in the Bible. I understand. But if you don't know Christ, you're gonna be judged one day. You're gonna be held to the standard, not that you set for yourself, but the standard that God sets for you. And you're gonna look God face to face. You're gonna give account to every word that you have spoken and every thought that you have thought. And the only recourse that we have is God, I am a sinner and your son died on my behalf. It's not gonna be, Lord, look what I can quote. Look what I have done. Look what I know. The only answer that is sufficient for eternity is God, look who I know. Look at your son. He died for me. God, I'm thankful that you gave me your word, that you imparted your word to me, that it made me wise unto salvation. And I looked at your son and he rescued me from my sins. The Holy Scriptures awaken our heart and our mind to salvation. The sola scriptura, a Latin phrase, began the champion and the final authority in the Reformation. In other words, scripture is not based on our feelings. It is based on what we believe and how we believe. Scripture is not based on your feelings, but it is our sole authority. It is the way we live because it is all, every part is God breathed. A fourth truth we see from this scripture is in verse 16. As, this, as if this is not enough. Um, we see that scripture is beneficial and balancing for your life and for your soul. Scripture is beneficial and balancing for your life and for your soul. Verse 16, all scripture, every scripture is what? Theos pneumatoi, God breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, Correcting and for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete or perfected for every good work or equipped, some of your Bibles say. I don't know about you, but I would love to leave here saying, Lord, I am complete. Because I walked in here saying, Lord, I am incomplete. What a wonderful truth this is that, that God's word balances our life. That there's nothing I need apart from Christ and his word. So how does this balancing happen? You know, we, we are a society that we like things that are beneficial. 
How do I know that? Because some of you and some of us, some of our houses have things that were beneficial at the time and we no longer use, they collect dust. Because you can turn on the TV and you can buy things that you think in the moment you need, right? So you're cold and so you, you turn on the, the TV and you say, there's a blanket with sleeves. I need that, right? I need uh, the Snuggie and then there was a knockoff called the Slanket. Right, the, the blanket with sleeves. Um, I need that. And so we're built on being beneficial. We want things that are profitable. Some of you still have a magic bullet because you're gonna, gonna get healthy. You're gonna, you're gonna pick radishes from your organic garden and you're gonna ground them up and you're gonna drink them every morning and you haven't used it once. Uh, we have other things, right? Some of you um, bought this can of Flex Seal because you wanted to make a, a boat out of your screen door. And you still haven't done it. Uh, the great thing is that if you, if you fish, you can see the fish below um, the door. Um, some of you have a, a bow flex. That is a coat hanger and you're not flexing any muscles now. Um, some of you have Ginsu steak knives and, and you haven't cooked a day in your life. So what do these tell us? We are people that want beneficial substances in our life. Uh, let me just start by saying this. One, God's word is profitable for you. Two, God's word is not about you. And I'm saying that not to you, I'm saying that to me. It's not about my mind, it's not about my wisdom, it's not about me, but it is profitable. And what does that look like? Yeah, I think about God's word balancing my life as a, as a front end alignment or as a tire alignment. We were on the interstate uh, this week and we noticed that one of the 18 wheelers had one of the inner tires that was out of balance and about a mile from it wobbling, a mile, a mile after it began to wobble, it was shredded. Because if we're out of balance in our life, sometimes we think, well, if I just go faster, if I just do more, then things will come back in balance. And some of you had tires that were out of balance. What's the worst thing you can do for a life that is out of balance in a tire? Go faster, right? The slower you go, the the better it gets. And so I think God's reminding us we need to rest and balance our life in Scripture. So what does that balancing look like for us? Verse 16, one, God's word is profitable for teaching. It's the same word didactic for you educators. Didactic theory is, is encouraging us in the truth, right? The word of God instructs our minds and our hearts to receive the truth of Christ and that way we can in humble submission obey him down the road. So the word of God is, makes us wise, but why does it make us wise? Unto salvation through Jesus Christ. It's not about your mind. It's not about your wisdom. It is about the wisdom wrought and found in the Holy Scripture. God's word teaches us. God's word also, look at this, verse 16. It rebukes us. Now, before you get all giddy and you're like, I'm about to rebuke someone today. The pastor said I could. We're about to throw some gospel shade on people, right? Before you go around throwing Leviticus, I've already warned you there. Before you go into your barber and start attacking them, this actually means it is convicting for sin in your life, right? It's, it's refuting error. And whose error? Not yours. The error is mine. That's, sometimes we avoid God's word because we open it and God's word is attacking our lives. 
Because God's, God is rooting out the gangrene of sin that still lies somewhere in my life. And that's profitable. It's hurtful, but it's profitable. God's word penetrates the deepest parts of our need. It's living, it's active, it's double-edged. It penetrates the very joint and ligaments in our life. We learn through truth. It rebukes our sin. Thirdly, look at the profitability of scripture. It corrects. Corrects means to restore to, a, to an upright position that which has fallen. Sometimes we think of correcting as negative, don't we? But correcting in scripture means that you're restored. It's a good thing. God doesn't want you to lay down and fall down. God wants to restore you to the right and righteous path. We also see this. It is profitable for training in righteousness. This word means chastisement or discipline. I, I think it's best in this way. I was reading a story earlier the week about a man named Ed Fallbear. And he, he's, they call him a cupper. Uh, it means he's a, he's a taste tester. And he, actually his taste, beds, his taste buds are registered with the state of New York. Hey, how awesome would that be? Uh, his, his taste buds are so refined that he can tell you by one sip where the coffee beans are located of the coffee cup that you brewed. Not only the, this country around the world blindfolded, but he can tell you this. He can tell you that the coffee is not only from Guatemala, but what state it comes from in Guatemala, what altitude it was grown at, and what mountain. So, and that's impressive. How can he do that? Because he's trained. And God's word trains us rightly. God's word is profitable for us. God's word balances and benefits our life. Um, some of you have been very uncomfortable this morning, as I have, because you are not where you need to be or want to be when you engage God's word. As you look back through your week and you say, well, I've only read my Bible once and I feel like a failure. Um, there's hope. There's hope. I want to remind you this, though. What is the most unread book in the world? I know what you want to say. Go ahead and say what you want to say. The Bible, right? That's what you want to say. Um, youth, you have a different answer? You cheat. You cheat. What, what is the most unread book in? The car's manual, right? I have one that I have not read. Okay. Um, this, is, this comes from Brad. It's a great reminder. Um, do you know why some of you read the car's manual? Because there's an emergency. You get it out when there's a flat. You're like, where is the spare? Or where is the fuse? Right? Some of you are like, what's the spare? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll walk, we'll, we can, we'll have another class. That's another sermon. But if we're not careful, we often do the same thing with God's word. My car owner's manual says this, to ensure safe and economical driving, day-to-day -day care and regular maintenance are essential. It is the owner's responsibility to perform regular checks. I just want Toyota to know that I check my car every time I get in it. Oh, that would not be truth because I have not read the owner's manual. And if we're honest, some of us treat God's word the same way. 
that we go to his word when, we're, when there's trouble. We say, Lord, I'm, I'm down today. Let me, let me find a scripture. I need encouragement. God, there's a thorn. Where, where was that scripture that, that says my grace is sufficient? Lord, I need you. And God reminds us to ensure day-to-day living, regular engagement is necessary. And if that's you, I want you to know that, that there's hope, that the Holy Spirit can change your life and, and give you calm assurance in difficulty. And it happens in this way. Would anyone, I just wanna, um, since we're all in this together, anyone here this morning admit, you know, I, I've failed where I wanna be just reading and engaging God's word. And anyone, I'm in that category, right? I, I don't read it like I should and, I, and then I don't even read it like I want to. And, and I feel guilty and convicted because I treat, I treat it like an owner's manual. When, I, when there's an emergency, I pick it up. But when things are going good, I leave it in the glove box. I wanna challenge you this way. If you had a bulletin with you and we also you can go to our website, I'm gonna challenge our church starting tomorrow for the next 40 days that we read God's word regularly together. 40 day challenge. And we're gonna read through the gospels. Two chapters a day. And you know why we wanna do that together? That way we can dialogue about God's word together. I want us to talk about it in our homes. I want us to talk about, when you see me Sunday, I want you to talk about what you've read and what God's done in your heart. Because God's word is best not taught, but caught. That we're working together for an eternal weight of glory, that the world sees that we are peculiar people because God has touched us. So I'm gonna ask you during our time of response to commit your life to say, God, I'm tired of approaching your word like an emergency manual. I wanna approach it like it is the sacred, breathed out words of God. When you get home today, and if you found a letter on your counter that said to Josh from heaven, would you open it? And if I told you it was from heaven, I would. And why do we often leave God's word closed in our lives and as if we say, God, I can grow on my own. I don't need your water. I don't need your sunlight. I don't need your soil. God, this is enough. Will you recommit your life to say, God, I wanna be a person of faith and to live a life that is scripture, your holy, breathed out word alone. We've already said, who, who wants to have the power of God in their life? I do. Who wants God to breathe on them? I do. Who wants to have a renewal of their faith? I do. That can begin today if we approach God's word with renewed passion because it is God breathed for us. Maybe you're here today and, and you say, well, I know all this. And maybe you're the one where God is in your mind, but he's not in your heart. It is not enough to know about God. God is not impressed by your knowledge or mine. We need to know our savior personally. And I want you to know today that, that God is inviting you to leave these doors differently than you walked in. You can leave here renewed. Maybe you walked in with guilt if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can leave here encouraged. Maybe you walked in here dead. You said, I, nothing in the world satisfied. I just feel like I'm dead. The Bible says you are. 
We are dead in our trespasses. Here's the invitation that God gives you today. That if you accept his son, Jesus Christ, you can leave here with new life. Maybe you walk in here and, and today you say, I've come in here alone. I don't feel like I have a friend in the world. I wanna invite you to put your trust in the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Maybe you've come in here and you are struggling with addiction and chain in your life. Um, by the way, everyone is struggling with addiction. It's called sin. Read Romans 7. What I want to do, I do not do. What I do not want to do, I do. And the good I want to do, I do not do it, Paul says. I want you to know that you can leave here with freedom if you surrender and bow your knee to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and that you feel like that tire. You feel like you're out of balance and the faster your life speeds up, you feel like you're about to shred in a million places. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the one that can pick up those pieces and balance your life again. But it is through his words. I invite you to know him personally, to pray a prayer of faith. And the prayer can go something like this. Lord, I failed. I've done everything. And I realize that you did it all not me. I repent and I trust in you for the glory of God. Amen. During our time of response, we're going to have our counselors up here to, to meet you and pray over you if you need that. Uh, Brad, I'm going to invite some of our men up. We just had a rash of people that are struggling physically. And if you want our elders and our leaders to pray over you and anoint you with oil, I'm going to invite you to come to my right today and, and to your left. And we're going to pray over you as God's word commands us. Because we believe in the power of God's words. And we believe that God's word is for us, for our good and his glory. Let's pray.